Praise the Lord. Well, did you bring your Bibles? All right, let's get in this morning. Make this declaration with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your living word that is imparted into the womb of our spirits that produces your life within us. Father, let the transformation of harvest take place in each and every one of our hearts today. In Jesus' name, somebody said? Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 13. And this morning, I'm going to take this and tie this into... Christmas, we just celebrated the remembrance of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we remember, as I said, uh, we worship at different times and days and seasons. We have times that we do everything, but it doesn't automatically mean that every day we do something is the exact day it happened. Have you ever noticed that Easter is in different months, different days, all the time, so it moves all around? What, what, what we're remembering is the event, not the exact day. Okay, so what we remember at Christmas is the event of the birth of our Savior. Jesus was not born on December 25th, and uh, so we understand that. We shared as we talk about the wise men in the nativity scene. We see nativity scenes. I always have the wise men there. The guys weren't there at the manger. I'm sorry. Hate to blow your bubble and wreck your Christmas decorations, but they weren't there uh, at the manger. The Bible says clearly that they came to the house where the child was. At that time. And we know that Herod gave the announcement to go and to kill all the male children from two years old and under, having discerned from the wise men how long they had been traveling to get to Jerusalem following the star. And I don't want to pop your bubble either. That was not the Jerusalem star or the, the Bethlehem star last Monday. That was two planets aligning, making a bright light. Okay. Uh, the Bethlehem star lasted for over two years. Come on, those guys would have had some fast camels to get to Jerusalem on that star last week. Yeah. Amen. So there's no camel that fast, praise the Lord, or a jockey who could ride one that fast. Amen. So anyway, and deal with all that, it's important to understand we're talking about covenant and uh, what God has to do. And this morning, talk a little bit about how that affects the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him being born of a virgin and all that is done for us. So we began a few weeks ago in this. We've been on this, on winning the battle against unbelief. And uh, you're living in a day and an hour right now. And if you don't notice that everything that's being promoted to you and propagated to you has to do somewhere with the element of fear in order to control you. Or a manipulation of making you feel bad for not caring about others. You know, you're made to feel bad if you don't feel like you should drive a, a, an electric car. Because your gas car is polluting the air and you're causing other people to cough and burp and puke or whatever. Amen. But after all that, so no matter what, whether it's the environment, whether it's health, whether it's this, you're made to feel bad by that because you're not concerned about others. I'm concerned about others, but not that much. Um, <laughs> Amen. But anyway, I'm not going to feel bad about that, but we should be able to make our own choices about life, to be adults and make our own choices, and then show care and respect and reverence for others. And we mean that. I say that jokingly. But in this area, coming to understand the covenant that God has made with us and how to walk in that 
enables us to win the battle against unbelief and not to be held in bondage by fear. Amen. I believe we need to break out of the lockdown of fear. We don't, we don't need to allow the world to lock our faith down. We're not supposed to be locked down in fear and not able to walk by faith. The word of the Lord this morning says that we're called to be led by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Amen? And so that's so important to know. But when I understand what my covenant rights and privileges are, then I also am able to live by faith and understand that I have authority and I have victory and I have promises that are given to us that are sealed in the blood of our Savior whom we just celebrated His birth. Amen? Amen? So we're standing on that. So Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, and it says this, Now may the God of peace, somebody say peace. I like that. He's the God of peace, not fear, anxiety, stress, and worry. They say, Jesus is my Lord, but I'm so stressed out. Well, you might want to get saved. If you're saved, you have peace. One of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. You have peace on the inside. You know, you have joy on the inside of you. Amen. People say, I lost my joy. Well, it shouldn't have fallen out that easy. Amen. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the what? The everlasting covenant. For For it to be an everlasting covenant, as we said, it has to be a covenant that is outside of time. You and I live in a parenthetical space called time. God made a covenant in himself, with himself, and swore to himself by his will, in his love, to be our Redeemer. Before he ever created us, he made a covenant in himself, with himself, to redeem his creation. Because we knew, as he said, that he was introducing, being the only free will, he was introducing another free will into existence. In order to be a free will, there has to be the potential of that will to reject you and turn from you. Are you doing all right? So he made a way to redeem humanity back to himself. So look at me at the cover. Well, in fact, also, well, I'm not going to read it but, or turn there, but John 3, 16, we all know it. For God so what? Loved the world that he what? Gave us his only begotten son. That's what we just did at Christmas. We've given gifts. You just express your love through giving. We love people. Many of us want to love more. Hopefully you took my advice and did not put yourself in debt to express your love. God does not expect you to charge your expression of love. And you shouldn't let people put you under the pressure to charge your expression of love. Amen. If they don't, uh, oh, anyway. If they don't love you without you charging it, move on. Hallelujah. Well, amen. So he gave us his only begotten son that we would not perish if we believe on him would not perish but have what? Have what? Everlasting. everlasting life. Everlasting life is connected to an everlasting covenant with God. Amen? Amen. So look at your outline. Out of his love, divine love, God chose to create humanity as someone he could invite into his love. His desire was to share his love with his creation in a way unlike any other. We would become one with him, joined through a union of love, made by choice, out of free will. Everybody look up here just for a moment. We pray with you to the sinner's prayer. We call the sinner's prayer of you giving your life to God. But just that prayer doesn't mean you're saved. 
somewhere you in your will have to give your life to God. Because if I just pray my own a prayer and, and a, in agreement with somebody else telling me repeat after me. If I'm just repeating after somebody else what they said I should say. But I've never said myself that I give my life to you out of my own free will. Jesus, I'm choosing. Father, I'm choosing to give my life to you. Then that's like asking somebody else to take your marriage vows for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we enter this relationship with him made by choice, out of free will. Divine love is this. God willed in his love to share his love with persons like himself. He created you in his image and in his likeness so he could share his love with you. His desire was for someone capable of receiving and responding to his love. When we truly understand his unconditional love for us, faith is released without anything to hinder its operation. So when we understand covenant and we're trying to rise up over the unbelief and the battles of fear that challenge us today, understanding his unconditional love brings release of great faith in our life. We understand that Jesus was sent by love and committed to covenant fulfillment. That's why he came. See, creation is an overflow of the infinite love of God. He was willing to create a family who in turn would be caught up in the celebration of divine love and so live the eternal life of God. The end of all that he has planned for us is so glorious that it would be worth the price that must be paid. What God ordained for us and his plan for us is worth the price of his son dying to redeem us to it. Glory to God. Let me just say that again. What God planned for us is so glorious that it was worth the price of him giving his son to die for us, to redeem us to what he planned for us before he created us. Amen. So think about this. The end of all. That he has planned for us is so glorious that it's worth that price. God always plans the end for... Go, go with me to Revelation chapter 21. I want to read a couple of verses. We won't have time to read them all this morning. But Revelation 21. Sometimes it's good. People say, well, start at the beginning and read to the end. Sometimes it's better with God to start at the end and read back to the beginning. Because God declares the end from the beginning. He tells us the end, and then he tells us how we're going to get there. But I just want you to hear these first few verses here. John in heaven is seeing this. Verse 1, and I saw a new he- a what? A new heaven and a what? A new earth. Everybody's concerned about this. I got, I got news for you environmentalists. There's a new one coming. Amen. And you, you, my pastor taught us this. Do, do, do you know how much reserves we have in the earth for anything and everything? We have enough. <clears throat> We're not running out of anything. Hello? There's enough for the plan to be fulfilled. And then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Take that, Al Gore. <laughs> then I, John, saw the holy city. Why? A new what? Jerusalem coming down from where? Heaven from God prepared what? 
as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard the voice, the, a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have what? Passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God. He shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murder, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So listen to what God said. I've created something that's so glorious for you that what I've created for you, the new heaven and the new earth and the holy city and what I have planned for you is worth my son dying to redeem you to it. But if you don't want my son, then you can choose plan B. But it won't be because I didn't purpose for you to be there. It will be because out of your free will, you rejected to be with me. Amen? All right. Well, praise the Lord. That's exciting, isn't it? Amen. So look inside your outline. I'm going to give you this, and hopefully it'll, it'll tell you. And, and I know that we don't, I, I usually go a bit deeper than normal churchy Christianity. But God's looking for more than just churchy people. He's looking for people who know his word, how to walk in his word. And I said to you a couple weeks ago, studying the word of God, th this is like a college course. God wants you to have a degree. Amen. Amen. And the degree you get in God is a PhD. You've heard me say it before. God wants to get you to get your PhD. He wants you past having doubts. Amen. I'm a doctor of faith myself. Amen. I, I want to study the word. I, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. If, I'm, if God has justified me and he's declared how I'm supposed to live, then I want to know how. So I'm going to be a student of the word. Amen. Amen. I, I want to live by his word. So this morning, we're going to say something. Maybe we'll kick over a couple of your cows, but we love cow tipping at our church. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Jesus was sent by love. God so loved that he gave. And covenant is now defined in love come to life. The covenant that we have with God is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God's love come to life. God's love came to life in his son. God so loved the world that he gave his son. The life of his son is love come to life. In everlasting covenant of redemption, the father commissioned his son in his love, out of his love, to take to himself true human nature in the virgin's womb. I'm going to hit this in a moment, but you're going to find out. And every young lady, every woman in here, God created you and he made your womb holy ground. Amen. The womb of a woman is holy ground. And that's why there is a glory to virginity. And anything that God declares holy, the devil works to degrade. Hello? And so when you see what has happened, that, why does God talk so much about sexual immorality? Because sexual immorality defiles holy ground. Thank you. 
Anyway, praise the Lord. So watch this. So in the virgin's womb, and to become the last Adam for man, as man, to deal with sin and Satan. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hallelujah. Now you're going to find out we just celebrated the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we're talking about here. His conception, his birth, and love coming to life. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, speaking of Christ, became a living spirit. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Everybody look up here just for a moment. There, there, there's two men in the earth. When God looks at the earth, he sees two men. He sees Adam, and he sees Christ. Before you come to Christ, you were in Adam. Now the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So when you get saved, you are now in him. God deals with humanity as if dealing with one man. And it's important that you have your identity in the right man. If you don't have your identity in Christ, then you have your identity in Adam. And life is only in Christ. Death is in Adam. Life is in Christ. And so it's important that I understand who I'm in. And when I'm in Christ, then I'm in the covenant with Christ that he has with God. All right. Praise the Lord. It'll get good in a minute. Praise God. So watch it. And so, uh, verse 45, 46. However, uh, yeah, verse 48. And was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So we're supposed to bear the image of the heavenly man. Amen? So follow with me here in your outline. Watch this. What was declared in eternity cannot be restrained or held by time. This is why he could say, get this, Jesus was created, everything was ordained before time began. This is why he could say, I will rise again and go to my Father. I came out of time into time and I have the right to go back where I came from. Doing all right? Therefore, he can redeem us out of time and into eternity. We said this to you a couple of weeks ago. If God had waited for us to choose first and fail and then to forgive, he would not have been able to redeem us to himself for eternity. The best we could have had was just a good life here. But because our redemption was made in eternity, we are now able to receive the hope and the promise of eternity with God. Amen. That's who we carry. Because he redeemed us before time, he can redeem us out of time into eternity with him. Praise the Lord. Now think about this. Here's my question to you. When do you choose to forgive? God chose to forgive before you ever made a choice. If you and I would choose to live in forgiveness like God, Father, I forgive them. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them what? They know not what they do. 
Can I just help you just for a minute? And I've, I've said this a few times lately in talking to the men in different ones. But quit getting mad at the world. Quit complaining and griping and, and bickering about the world quite so much. I, I mean, people outside of Christ. The Bible says that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You used to have your conversation, your lifestyle, just like the people you don't like in the world. You were one of them. You did all the same stuff. There's nobody in here that clean. Hello? We, we just get saved and now we think we're all that and something else. And, and, and our nose gets a little high and, and our... Well, anyway. But in doing that, people are just doing what they... It's natural for people to be sinful. They're, they're in Adam. They have a fallen nature. They don't have a new nature. They're doing what comes by their nature. So you're getting up people for acting like that. How many know kids just run around because they're kids? Well, how come they do that? Because that's what they are. They're kids. They run around. They do all kinds of stuff. But you have to choose. Why? God chose to forgive you before you ever made a choice against him. What if you chose to forgive people before they ever wronged you? What if you chose to walk in love like God walks in? That's what you're redeemed to. What are the first two commandments? Love God, love your neighbor. It doesn't say if it's a nice neighbor. It doesn't say if they never do anything wrong to you. It said love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor like God loves your neighbor. God loves your neighbor so much that he gave his son to die for them. And God wants him in eternity still living next to you. <laughs> Amen. So what if you chose, what if you and I chose to forgive before we were offended? Let me put you like this. You can't get offended when you walk in forgiveness. Because you have to take, you take, I take offense at that. Why would you take that? Because if you listen to what you do, when you take offense, this is what you do. Offense, offense is a wound that becomes infected with bitterness that produces death. So go ahead, take some of that to yourself. Have a nice day. Offense is a wound that will become infected with bitterness that will produce death. Never take offense to yourself. I'm offended by that. That offends me. That offends me. Why would you be like that? Choose not to be Forget. Listen to what Jesus said. He came into the upper room with his disciples and he breathed on them. And he says, whosoever sins, you forget. Well, well, let me back up. He said this first. The same way the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. You have the power to walk in forgiveness and release why? Because sin is a debt that can only be forgiven. It can never be repaid. Which is why God committed an eternity path to forgive you before you. I choose to pay the debt of your sin. I release you from the debt of your sin. That's why the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us of our debt and our trespasses. 
Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtor. So when somebody operates against you, when they sin against you, they are now in debt to you, and you either hold them in slavery and bondage by your unforgiveness, or you release them with debt cancellation. Amen. That's not, I wish I'd have put that in my notes. That was really good. So he's redeeming us to themselves. So think about that. The best we could have had of just life now. But watch this. So when do you choose to forgive? What is the price? Let me see. What is the price for redemption with you? What's your price for redemption? See, this is why love and forgiveness are the first and the foremost requirements that God has asked of our lives. This is why the giving and the sending of his son was something that took place before Jesus was formed in the womb of the virgin. Jesus was sent before he was formed, and so are we. Or in other words, God designed purpose for your life before you arrive. There's a preordained purpose for all of God's creation that is connected to his expected end. Let me just bring it back to when God made eternity in eternity past when he made this covenant he also declared there was an end that's coming to pass and then in that we came into this parenthetical space called time and we read that this space called time has an end god wants you to end up at his expected end for your life which is what we read in revelation 21 he wants you in the new heaven and in the new earth for all of eternity with him he wants you in a redeemed heaven I don't have time to get in this. I did it a couple years ago, or maybe at the beginning of this year. But, but I, I walked you through eternity past and eternity present and the eternal purpose of God. God is accomplishing his eternal purpose. And you're a part of that plan. Ephesians 3, according to the eternal purpose. God does everything. Jesus showed up on purpose, in time, on time, for purpose. Amen? And so God has accomplished his purpose. And so you and I have a part in that purpose for his expected end. It's more than, than everyone feels. It, it's the more that everyone feels on the inside of them. How, how many people get to the end of their life and wish they would have done what? More with their life. All of us have a sin. We wish we could motivate ourselves. We wish it could be more of a self-starter. We just feel like, man, I could, well, but I don't. But there's something that always speaks about more on the inside of us. And it's connected to God's purpose for your life. It's called the transformation of harvest. That when we sow, God brings about a transformed harvest. Our purpose is connected to his immaculate conception. Now let me just interject it. Catholicism teaches, Catholic doctrine teaches, that Mary, the Virgin, the Virgin Mary, Mary, Jesus' mother, that she somehow was conceived without sin in her mother's womb. That's just twisted perversion. Okay? Mary was not conceived by the Holy Spirit. She was conceived by a man. She had a natural father. And man, I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but man carries the seed of Adam. Are you with me? And so any seed from a man is fallen seed. So she could not be born of man and woman and have an immaculate conception. Jesus had the only immaculate conception. He was conceived by a holy seed in a virgin womb, which is holy ground. Watch this. 
man has always cheapened and devalued the work of God in his life and in the lives of others. If it were not so, we would not take the loss of life so carelessly. Abortion would rock us to our core. All loss of life. There, there would be nothing about, uh, about invaluing life at all. God created life as precious. God created life as something that the only thing. Life, human life, is so valuable that God paid the price of his son to redeem it. Nothing else. He'll renew this world. He, he, he re- oh. Let me just say this. There's a glory to virginity that is connected to divine conception. There's a glory to virginity. Every young woman, listen to this in here. There's a glory that God gives to a woman. And all the world wants to do is take it away from you. But God made you holy ground. And there's a reason that a woman is designed in such a way that when that first time of intercourse takes through, there, there is a breaking through that takes place and there is a flow of blood in an act of covenant. And that's why the Bible says that the marriage bed is undefiled. Can I just tell you it's about time that we started preaching truth from our pulpits? That's why the Bible says certain things and why it speaks so clearly about sexual immorality. Because when you cheapen what God made holy, the purpose of sex was to bring forth life. And it's resembled in the same way. When God talks about the church, Paul is talking about a husband and a wife. And then he stops in Ephesians and says, wait a minute, I'm not talking about the marriage. I'm talking about the church because the body of Christ is feminine. Ministry, the fivefold ministry gifts in all ministry is in masculine gender. And when you put the male and the female together they come together for the purpose of producing new life and the church is supposed to be holy in the same way that the woman is holy and a holy man and a holy woman come together and they produce holy life amen how many know that the church has been betrothed to a holy husband Jesus is the husband we are the bride are you doing all right and we're not That's why the Bible calls sleeping with the world adultery. Interacting with the world, committing spiritual adultery and fornication. Amen. I told you this would be a little deeper than normal churchy Christianity. Amen. So there's a glory to virginity that's connected to divine conception. God always intended for life to be pure. The Holy Spirit overshadowing the Virgin Mary planted within her the divine seed of the Father and with it sinless blood, the sinless blood needed for the atonement. So as we're celebrating Christmas, the birth of our Savior, what happened? It was the true immaculate conception that God brought away for sinless blood to enter this world in humanity. Let me just say this. If the spoken word, and you've heard me say it before, if the spoken word can create the universe and it can create life in a virgin womb and it can create the life of God in you, if I just begin to believe. 
His word planted in my heart can produce his life in me. Amen? And uh, I, I kind of put this down in my notes during worship. I said, internal transformation cannot be shaken by outside circumstances. See, what happens is when I'm living by the reality of the life of God that is now in me, that I am redeemed out of this world and God's life is in me, the life in me is stronger than anything that's happened on the outside of me. And I refuse to be shaken or moved by that. I choose to live from the inside out. Are you doing all right? Amen. So watch this. A virgin was needed because man carries the seed of life that is contaminated by sin. Until the man is joined to the woman, there's no transfer of sin in procreation. So what do you have? The man carries the seed, the woman is the soil. And seed and soil produce harvest. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Come on, you guys heard worse than this on your TV last night. I was mad how people, you start talking about sex and doing different things. People in church get all sanctified, holy, and puckered up. Amen. So until the man is joined to the woman, there is no transfer of sin in procreation. That's why Mary was able to conceive a holy child. This is how holy seed could break the tie to the fallen man and start a new bloodline. The angel said to Mary, that, that child shall be born of you, shall be a holy child, a holy seed. This covenant had been waiting for fulfillment from eternity past. Matthew 3, Jesus said this, Suffer to be so, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Matthew's an amazing book. If you read it, you'll hear it time and time again. That it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. That what might be fulfilled? What was spoken before. What God ordained now is coming to pass at the appointed time. Amen? Hallelujah. So his blood was to be shed. The blood of God, which is the blood of the everlasting covenant. This was determined in the eternal council of the Trinity. The horror and the pain of the cross was known in the heart of God before creation. God knew what his son, Jesus knew. Look at how many times did Jesus tell the disciples, the son of man will be betrayed into the hands of the sinner. He will be beaten. He will be rejected. And everybody will turn and run from him. And he kept telling them, he knew what was going to happen. Amen? So let's close with this this morning. Knowing all that was before him, he chose to be a self for others. And the sayer of yes to the wisdom of God in the earth for all of humanity, for all eternity. Everything we have in Christ flows out of his willingness to become the sayer of yes to God on our behalf. Let me put you like this. When you say yes to serving God, you say, Father, I'll say yes to you on behalf of others. I will serve you so that you can flow through me to others. God said, Jesus said yes to the Father so the Father's plan could flow through his life to you. Jesus asked you to do the same thing by becoming a servant of all. So you have to be a self that says yes to God for others. You have to be a sayer of yes to God on behalf of others. He laid down his life so we could live our lives for him and with him for all of eternity. 
So Jesus became the sayer of yes to God. In order to redeem humanity, hear me this morning, there had to be a man qualified in the earth to say yes to God. Before Jesus was born, before we had Christmas and the celebration of his birth, no man on the earth could say yes to God in that capacity. Nobody had it in them the ability to give a life to redeem. That's why all the best we had was sacrifices that pushed judgment forward for a year. We, we, we could sacrifice the blood of animals, but no man had what it take to redeem man yet. So before time and space, God in himself out of love ordained a man to say yes. To his will and to freely choose to say yes to God. Adam had the opportunity to be the one who would say yes to God. But when the tempter came, he failed the test and said no. In choosing to say yes to God, Jesus became. Somebody say became. Jesus became the one man who was worth all men. I'll never forget that. First time I heard that statement, I was reading a a writing by Leonard Ravenhill, teaching on the cross, that Jesus became the one man who was worth all men. Think about that. God could not destroy sin and dismiss Adam's choice as irrelevant. That would make a mockery of our free will. Adam brought sin into the race, and a man would have to remove it. A man, hear it, brought sin into the race, and a man would have to remove it. Satan, sin, and death must be fairly defeated by man making free choices. See, we miss it. God is righteous and just in everything that he does. But God says, I have to do this the right way. And I don't have time to go into all this and, and, and being able to get out of here today. But in this area, what we forget what happened in eternity past was there was a rebellion in heaven. And heaven was contaminated. God is not only redeeming you, he's redeeming heaven. Did you hear that there is a new heavens and a new earth? So what is happening there, the worship leader of heaven got puffed up. I say this all the time when I, when I get on there. Music is one of the most prideful things in the world. And people who play music always want to be worshipped for what they're playing. Look at me, see me, hear me, whatever. Hello. And people go and worship people who play music. In America, we even have a program called American Idol. Hello. So what happened in heaven, Lucifer said, all this music is going out of me and all of heaven is worshiping God. That seems unfair. I think I should be getting the worship for what's coming out of me not God. So this is what I will do. I will ascend my stage above his. I will elevate my performance above him. I will elevate my throne above his so that I get his glory. Amen. And so God says, uh, it doesn't work that way. Bye. (laughs) And cast him and a third of of the angels down to Lucifer was one of the three anointed cherubs. He was the anointed cherub that covers. Covering has to do with anointing. That's why there's a false anointing on worship. How many have ever got love bumps listening to love songs? 
You got goosebumps. Oh, that song. I just feel all tingly when I hear that song. False anointing. There, there's an anointing on song, on music. There's an anointing on music. The anointing on music is to draw you in to worship God. The purpose of being the cherub that covers and being anointed to play is so that when you played, worship would go to God. Are you doing all right? It's a whole little sidebar. Stay with me. I'm coming back. But in eternity past, God is out to redeem heaven. So in order to redeem heaven, he also chose now a people who would freely choose to worship him. Not to exalt themselves, but to bring themselves in submission and worship to him and exalt him as their God. Are you doing all right? Which is why worship is so important to the church. Which is why God said to the woman at the well that the the time is coming is now here when the Father is seeking those who will what? Worship Him how? In spirit and in truth. That's what the Father is seeking. People like you to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So God not only made you a part of His redemptive plan, but when the church gets to heaven, when the church gets to heaven, We redeem worship. We are taking, we are filling the void of Lucifer in heaven. We're the redeemed plan of God in the earth and in heaven. Glory to God. Okay, that was worth the price of admission right there. So now watch. So man making free choices. Our choices cannot be viewed as irrelevant either, but they can be covered by the blood. 1 John 1, 9. God is faithful that if we confess our sins, he's uh, faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness by virtue of the blood. Amen? The dilemma now is that man, if the worship team will come back. The dilemma now is that man must do what only God can do. And God must do what only man must do. Hear that. The dilemma is that God has to do what only man can do. And man has to do, God now has to do what man must do. Amazing. It would only take one, though, to be the covenant representative. For all. Somebody say, for all. And to secure victory... Over sin, Satan, and death. How many of you know you're saved, you're born again, filled with the Spirit? How many know all, all, all the above? You know, no, no, I'm serious. Raise your hands real high. See what that means? That means you have a covenant with God. You're in covenant relationship with God. So I want you to hear that. You are one man, one person, one woman. One, you're one person in covenant with God. And when God makes covenant with one person, He makes covenant. That covenant covers everybody connected to that person. Your covenant with God covers everybody connected to your life. Your covenant with God covers everybody connected to your life. Your covenant with God covers everybody connected to your life. So quit whining and complaining over your children. You you, you walk in your covenant with God. God has to do the same for you as he did for Abraham. He said, watch it. God said, Abraham, I'm ahead of myself. God says, Abraham, I'm making a covenant with you. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And when you get saved, you are now made a joint heir with Abraham and the promises that God made to him. Because you're in Christ. And Christ is Abraham's seed. 
Are you getting this this morning? Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm, when we move over there, I'm going to have buttons and electric things in the chairs. Because sometimes I need to stimulate some response. <laughs> so watch this, watch this. <laughs> it would only take one to be the covenant representative for all. What, what? David did this with Goliath. Goliath is coming out and challenging. He, he is the champion of the world. And he's challenging the, he says, I defy the armies of God. Listen to what he said. Send me a man. Goliath said, send me a man that we may fight. Send me one man to represent all of you. I'm here representing the world. Now you send me one man to represent all of you. But there was no man in the camp that knew that they had a covenant with God and could be the covenant representative until a young man named David showed up and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, a man outside of covenant with God to defy God's covenant people? And he says, I will be that man. I will go out on behalf of a whole nation and I will be one man that will represent a nation before God. And I will win a battle that will set a whole nation free. Glory to God. So David goes out and fight, and the people say, as God's representative. That's why God said, when he said, when you go out to battle, get the priest. And if anybody just got married, just built a house, just planted a vineyard, just did that, then go home if you're afraid, then go home. And what's left will be the army of God. And David knew if the priest would have come out and they would have given all the conditions, everybody would have left, he'd have been the only guy there anyway. Because the, the, the last thing they say, if there's anybody who is afraid... After marriage, building a house, planting a vineyard, and then number four, being afraid. Covered everybody. David was it. But it only took one man to be a representative for a whole nation. It only takes one person to be a representative for your whole family. Are you doing all right? I hate the devil. I hate church lives. Amen. So think about this. To secure a victory over Satan, sin, and death. Jesus became the one man who was worth all men. As man he chose when tempted to stay faithful and say yes to God. In doing so, he became the last Adam. For man, as man, to deal with sin and Satan. This is why the Bible speaks in finished phrases and completed terms and works. It only took one man once for all men to complete it. Are you doing all right? When you and I walk by faith in our covenant with God, I am my family's covering. I am a covenant man with God. I will keep my covenant. I will be obedient to my vow that I made to God. I made a vow on my own. God, I give my life to you. I'm going to live for you. I will serve you the rest of my life. I choose to make a covenant vow with you today. I choose to will my life to your life for the rest of my life. And because I'm in covenant with you, my family is covered. You will honor your covenant with me for me and for my seed. 
So where did people like Jonathan and David learn to make vows like that to another? When Jonathan and David came together, Jonathan said, not only will you swear to me, but you will swear to my seed. So when Jonathan died, David said, is there anybody left of the house of Saul and of Jonathan to whom I can show covenant kindness? And they said, there is one left, and it's Jonathan's son, and his name is Mephibosheth, and he's a rebel. He is an outlaw, and he's living in a land called Lodibar. And David said, go and get him and bring Bring him into my house. And the rebel and the outlaw was brought in. Had nothing, no right. We hated David. Wanted to kill David. But covenant kindness. Redeemed him. And brought him to the king's table. And set him there. Mephibosheth didn't repent. He didn't cry out to God. He didn't do anything. He was covered by his father's covenant with John David. Let me put you like, let, let me put it to you a little bit differently. In Exodus 20 and verse 5 and 34 and verse 7, it says this. God says this. The sins of the fathers, the iniquities of the fathers, I will visit to the third and even the fourth generation. So if God hands down transgressions, how much more does he cover with righteousness? You cannot, he cannot pass down judgment and not pass down righteousness. Lord God. Hallelujah. I just look at my kids and say, you don't get a choice in this. I'm a covenant man. You're covered by me. Listen, what, what did Paul say to the Philippian jail? Philippian jail said, what do I have to do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Amen. Do you know why Israel still exists? Do do you know the only reason Israel still exists today? Only reason. Because God made a vow with one man. And when Jacob wrestled with God, what did God do? Israel is the changed name of one man. Israel used to be named Jacob. God said to Jacob, I'm changing your name today to Israel and my people will now be called Israel and when I deal with Israel I'm dealing with them as one man they are my people in Jacob they are the seed of Abraham Isaac and Jacob they are the seed that came out that is bound in covenant with God. So when God showed up in Luke chapter 13 and the woman bound for 18 years, bent over, and God says, Ought not this woman who is a seed and a daughter of Abraham be loose, whom Satan has bound? The only reason Satan binds us is because we don't know that we have a covenant with God. We've been watered down in churchy Christianity. And we don't walk in authority. We don't speak with boldness. We don't have any confidence in God. We're losing the battle of unbelief. When God says, I created my people. I've given you power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Jesus said, you will tread upon serpents and scorpions. I saw Satan fall like lightning. And he took every ordinance was against you and nailed it to his cross. And you just celebrated the birth of God coming into the earth as man to be the one man who would redeem all men. Lord God, I'm going to give myself an offering after this message. Stand to your feet with me.
When God makes a covenant with one man, it covers everyone that is connected to that man. When you enter into covenant with God, your covenant covers everybody connected to your life. Quit complaining about your family members, everybody else. Start thanking God for the covenant you have with Him. Father, I thank you. I'm your covenant man. I'm your covenant woman. And you said in your word. You said in your word. Now let me just put it to you like this. You can hold God accountable to his word as long as you keep yours. The conditions of the covenant are two people keeping their word to each other. To backslide means to go back on your word to God. Jesus said, no man can take you out of my hand. You have to deny your word to me yourself. No, nobody can make you break your word to me. God swore, I will never change my word to you. I am the Lord your God. I do not and I will not change. You keep your word to me and I will always keep my word to you. So my question today is how will you respond to his love today? Will you become a sayer of yes to the one who said yes to you? Before you ever knew anything of his love, will you choose to love and forgive the way he loves and forgives? This is our last Sunday of the year. I wrote this out. This, this is my last altar call this year. It's the last time I'll ask you to make a choice for him on any level. I'm going to begin first with forgiveness. Not you being forgiven, but you forgiving others. There's some of you in this room that need to let some stuff go. You need to let some stuff go. I'm sorry of anything that ever happened in your past. I'm sorry you went to a bad church. I'm sorry I ticked you off. You stay around here for three weeks. I guarantee I'll do it again. <laughs> Amen. I'm a person. You're a person. You've made people laugh. But I live by this. If, watch what. If you do not forgive, this has nothing to do with before. If you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. When you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. Everything begins with forgiveness. You're only in covenant because God forgave you and redeemed you to himself. There are some people that some of you need to forgive and to release. Because you wonder, how come my life keeps cycling? Because you're carrying a cycle of unforgiveness in your life. How do I know I haven't forgiven them? Because every time they do something new, if you're connected to them, the next thing they do, you dig up the path and heap it on the next thing they did. You forgive it and you release it never to touch again. You are thankful. We love it. Well, amen. I'm separated as far as the east is the west from my path. It'll never be brought up against me again. How about if you forgive somebody like that? I'll never bring that up against you again. Bow your heads with me this morning. You and God. Some of you in here, you know exactly who it is. You know the situation. People say their name and you get tight. All they have to do is say their name. I have to see them and, and, and you get tight. 
I charge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Release them today. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. They're bound to you. Release that from their life and your life today. In Jesus' name. I'm not going to lead you in this prayer. I'm going to give you a moment to pray your own prayer of forgiveness and release towards them. Right now. Forgive them right now. Release them right now. But pastor, you don't know what they did. If Jesus can hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them. You can do the same right now today. I guarantee they did not beat you. They have not whipped you. And they have not nailed you to a cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. 